Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Berizaki. Hey there, thanks for making us a part of your day, part of your week, our weekly podcast here of Growing in Grace. I'm Mike Kapler and Joel Berizaki, of course, my friend uh, that we've We've been doing these broadcasts together for over four years now, and we just appreciate you letting others know that we're here because our goal is to try and make your life more enjoyable, to make the Christian life more enjoyable so you can be freed up from all the junk that sometimes people experience in religious circles. I'm talking about guilt and condemnation and just feeling like you're not doing good enough. We want to set you free from all that. Well, we're not going to set you free, but hopefully some of what we say will help get you to that place of freedom. You know, Joel, a couple of weeks ago I asked the question that others might ask because our subject here is talking about the law and does it have a place in the Christian life. Uh, I asked the question, do we need to commit ourselves to the laws of God? We weren't able to answer that really last week on the program, but we plan on answering that this week because we're we're getting to a place here in Romans where we uh, want to hopefully set the record straight on a very misunderstood passage of Scripture about marriage. Yeah, uh, Romans, <laughs> I've heard this, and I, and I think most of the time this chapter of Romans gets brought up in sermons that have to do with marriage, maybe even when pastors are, are counseling people uh, who maybe are you know, having some marriage problems, they'll go to Romans 7. And Now, if you listened to our program last week, we, we brought up some really great things about how you know, the law, all about how the gospel, the good news of God is that God's righteousness was revealed in the gospel, and that uh, it has nothing to do with the law. We had to receive God's righteousness as a gift, and it couldn't be through our own law-keeping. And as Paul moves along in his train of thought in the whole book of Romans, he says, all right, hey, I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. He says to the to the Romans, he says, you guys who know the law, here's an example from the law that I can use to illustrate how we're not under the law anymore. And he, and he uses an example of husbands and wives. Do you not know, uh, brethren, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as she lives. But if the husband dies, if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. And so he goes on to say, the thing is here is that if both of them remain alive, the only way out of this is if one of them dies, according to the law. The only way out of this is if, if somebody dies. And so if the husband lives and she marries another man, she's going to be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, then she is free from that law. And she is no adulteress, though she's married another man. And so... Paul goes on to say some wonderful things here about how that illustrates how we had to die to the law. Yeah, so he's saying, look, the law rules over a person as long as that person lives. For example, under the Jewish marriage laws, the woman was, was bound to her husband. I like how Steve McVeigh uses Mr. Law, Mr. law as right. the illustration here. You've got the wife, and she is married to Mr. Law. She was bound to stay married to Mr. Law as long as they both lived. And that's what Paul was saying. As long as the husband lives, uh, if she marries another man, she's an adulteress. The husband dies, she's free from that law so that she is not an adulteress, but she could go marry another man. So if Mr. Law dies, 
she's free to marry somebody else. But otherwise, uh, I hate to use this phrase, she's stuck in that marriage <laughs> as long as as long as Mr. Law lives. And we're talking about the Jewish law here. Again, we yeah, need to talking, make that yeah, point. That about Paul's Jewish not... marriage laws is, is, is what Paul's referring to here. But but he's he's using this as an illustration of our relationship to the law of God. So you and I are married to Mr. Law, and we're we're stuck in this marriage with Mr. Law because Mr. Law is still alive, you see, and so are we, obviously. And so we we can't get out of the marriage without being called an, an adulteress. This is a real tough thing because here's the bad news. Mr. Law is not going to die. <laughs> you and I are never going to get out of this marriage with Mr. Law. We're, we're stuck in it. And it's horrible, Joel, because Mr. Law is good. He is perfect. He does everything right. And what's worse is he points out all of my mistakes because I am not perfect. Mm -hmm. I am not that good. And I, I do a lot of wrong things. And every time I do... Mr. Law, my husband, is there to point it out. And I just feel horrible about it because I, 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 can't, I can't live under this, this rule of perfection that's being required of me from Mr. Law. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine being in a marriage like that? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are some marriages that some people might be saying, "Yeah, amen, I hear you." <laughs> they understand what we're what, even in real life what we're talking about, but if you can just even consider this for a second, like you said, the law, Mr. Law is perfect. Is actually perfect. It's not like a an actual person who thinks he's perfect <laughs> and, and puts a bunch of demands on his wife, but Mr. Law actually is holy, actually is good, actually is perfect. And th there's nothing wrong with Mr. Law. And that's the thing. We're not saying hey, that there's something wrong with the law, because you might be asking, why would you want to get out of this marriage? And like you say, Cap, it's because Mr. Law is perfect, good, and holy, and demands the same from us, and, and we just can't live up to it. We we uh, are married to Mr. Law, and every little thing that we do wrong, he's pointing that out, and he's declaring us guilty. Condemnation and all of that is the way of you know, of us being married to Mr. Law. And so we had to somehow get out of this marriage and like you said mr law he's not going to die <laughs> and so it was a matter of us we are the ones that had to die in order to be free because again going back to the illustration of jewish law and again paul is just using that as an illustration if they're both married together one of them has to die in order for the other one to be released and so we had to die to the law in order to be married to Mr. Grace, and that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, so since the law was never going to die and we were stuck in this marriage where he was going to rule over us, you know, the law, the, the bummer about the law, it demands perfection but is powerless to provide it. So since the law was never going to die and we were stuck in this marriage relationship to the law, God killed you and you were taken out of the marriage. You see, because the law was so good, he was never going to die. The only way that Christ was going to be able to take you as his bride was to kill you and free you from that marriage without, you know, free you from the marriage so you wouldn't be called an adulteress. So in verse 4 of Romans 7, Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, you also have become dead to the law, dead to Mr. Law, through the body of Christ, that you may, may be married to another. You just referred to him, Joel, Jesus, Mr. Grace who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. 
For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of, of the letter. And uh, one thing i got to point out here that I just read, Joel, when we were in the flesh, when we were married to Mr. Law, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members, were at work in our body. I, I just don't think you hear that very often in church, where somebody points out that the law and the commandments actually arouse sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't hear that very often. Yeah, that's important to know because it, it's like we've been saying for the last uh, last couple of weeks that the the mindset seems to be well, I want I want to overcome sin, and so I need to find out what the law says, and so that I can work to overcome sin. And it's ju- it's really just the opposite. You know, our life in Christ is really just the opposite of that. We had to die to the law in order to be married to to Christ. And in this new life in Christ, it's it's really His life that's at work in us. Because, you know, when when we're, as this verse says, when we're in the flesh, the sinful passions that were aroused by the, were aroused by the law, they were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Now it's the opposite in Christ. Now that we're dead to the law and our, and our relationship to Mr. Law has ended, now it's righteous passions. Now it's a desire to, to do what's right. It's, now it's desires to, to have life, an abundant life, and, and this flows through not because we're following the law, but because we've been made alive together with Christ. And so that's a key issue. That's a that's a key difference between living by the law and living by the life of Christ. And and that's really what this whole thing is about here in Romans seven, and and really in the whole book, what what Paul was trying to get to is, hey, you know, this life. If you want to have life in Christ, it can't be about law. It has to be us dying to it. And he he says the same things elsewhere. I mean, I think last time I think we gave some homework <laughs> for people to read through Romans 7 and also Galatians 2. Towards the end of Galatians 2, Paul says, I, he, he, he says this same stuff again. He says, For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this life is a life where we've died. And just real quick, uh, as uh, we got a couple minutes left here, but I just want to point out that in Romans 7 it says, Therefore, my brothers, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. We have been crucified with Christ. So it was through his body that we died to the law. When Christ was up on the cross... As we've talked about many times, the law was nailed there with him. Find that out in Colossians 2. And we were nailed there with him as well. So through the body of Christ, we became dead to the law so that we could be married to him when he rose up again from the dead. Yeah, that, that's how we died. God placed us in the body of Christ at the crucifixion. And as you referred to it in, in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. That's how we died. That's how we were separated from our relationship with the law to marry another Mr. Grace, Jesus Christ. Now the the law no longer has dominion over us anymore as it would have uh, before. So we come back to that question. So don't we need to commit ourselves to the laws of God? 
Cap, Joel, how, how about it? Well, the, the answer to that is, is absolutely not. The, the law still exists, but asking that question is like asking if we should commit ourselves to someone other than our own mate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I don't know if you've mentioned this, Joel, or, or I think maybe it was even Steve McVeigh, but, but that's like committing spiritual adultery to suggest that we should commit ourselves to the laws of God. We're no longer married to that. We're married to another. Uh, the law does still exist. The law still is good, but it isn't intended for those who have received the righteous nature of Jesus Christ. Real quick, Paul said in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous man, it's not made for a believer, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the unbeliever, for the sinner, for the one who hasn't been established in grace or the righteousness of God. That's who the law is for. It no longer has a place in the life of a Christian. Yeah, Cap, and in addition to, to what you're saying there, you know, the law has no place in the life of a Christian. Paul even said, and, and this is going to blow some people's minds probably if, if they haven't heard this already, but Paul called the law the ministry of death, <laughs> and he called it the ministry of condemnation. We'll spend some time next week talking about that, the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. Paul even said that the law brings bondage. So totally different from what we normally hear in the church world today. So stay tuned with us next week as we talk about that. In the meantime, we invite you to spread the word about the Growing in Grace program and also a new uh, Grace Roots online community. You can find out all of this stuff at graceroots.org. Basically, this new community, if you want to get together and just chat and spend some time with other uh, like-minded believers focused on the grace of God, we invite you to uh, join in with us there as well. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Baruzaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. 